Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. We've had a lot of change in the crop this week, mainly in prices. Many of you have called in to ask, could these crop estimates be correct? Now, I can only speak for the fields that I have visited here in our trade territory as I do my farm visits. On these farm visits, we count plants, harvestable ears, kernels, then we look at the current state of the crop, estimate the kernel size as you know what to divide by. In many cases, kernel size is still a wild card, especially in the June planted corn. We have been dividing by both 80 and 90 and given the grower a bracket of where we think it could fall into. Most likely June corn will need to be divided by 90 or even higher in the drier areas. At this point, I can say as a whole, we are yield checking between 30 and 40 bushel under last year. Fields that ran 250 bushel last year are checking in that 210, 220 range. One field we checked this week, we checked it at 250, but that field averaged 292 across the scale last year. This week, yield checks swung from a low of 128 to a high of 302. In the dry areas, you're seeing more of that 150, 190. In the areas where we got moisture, more 200 to 240. On top of lower yield estimates, growers are not taking me into the replant or drowned out or ponds um, in the field. We're checking the solid parts of the field. So while I'm still optimistic about the crop, I don't think it'll be as close to last year's as the crop report expects. When it comes to doing your own, own yield estimates, you guys that are getting aerial images or have drones, uh, get a good overall picture of the field condition. Then as you go out there, visit the good, the bad, and the ugly in that field and do yield estimates in all three. Don't just go to the best part or the worst part. And this will give you a, a better field average prediction of what you got out there. And if you record your kernel counts from these areas, we can uh, make better estimates going forward depending on how the weather is. So again, if you record those kernel counts, you got them and keep them, and the weather turns in our favor, especially in the June corn, we can bring the uh, division number down. If it doesn't work out for us, we can take it up, but we don't have to go back out there and redo all the kernel counting on most of this corn. Now, many areas received some well-needed rain this week. Here at the office, we got 3.8 inches, but it dropped off pretty quick going north and east. Hopefully, we can continue to squeak out some more rain in the coming days for you guys that didn't get any. The forecast doesn't look like any hot spells coming, but it looks like some cloudy weather potentially coming. So some of you need to do the rain dance and some of you need to, need to do the sunshine dance, especially for our July, our June planted corn and beans. This week, uh, there has been a literal explosion of corn aphids. Most uh, issues are in the June planted corn, but we're finding some in the May planted corn as well. This June corn needs another 50 days to fill these aphids are going to be a problem. Pest teams, let's step up our scouting in this corn. Fields that were mildly infested on Monday are just blowing apart on Friday.
For the most part, these fields are pollinated in great shape, but we don't want the aphids to wax those upper leaves or it'll put the brakes to ear fill. As I've mentioned in past podcasts, we just can't find any amounts of beneficial insects to help keep this in balance, keep this population in check. So remember, the aphid is a taster. So it's going to move along tasting different varieties till it finds one it likes. And it's looking for that higher sugar load. That's why the June corn's getting hit. So pest teams, you need to check every hybrid in the field, not just dip in and dip out. If there's different hybrids, you need to look at them. It's very common to find one variety loaded and hardly any on the next one. Today we found three fields with Goss's wilt. All three fields were lit up with aphids. My guess is the aphid is the vector of this disease. Remember, Goss's is a bacteria. It can't get into the leaf without some type of entry point. Of course, thousands and thousands of aphids poking their uh, noses into the corn is going to be a perfect uh, tool to infect this Goss's wilt. We, we can't uh, control it with a fungicide because it is a bacteria. I would still spray the aphids if they need to be. I'd still spray a fungicide if it warranted. In your field notes, be sure to mark that as a field that has gosses in it. So when we select hybrids going back into corn the next time, we'll know that there is presence of gosses in that field. Now, if the field has a high amount of gosses wilt, large amount of plants are affected, and you have good insurance coverage, I think I'd probably forget spraying for aphids or anything because the gosses wilt is going to do more damage. The fields that we found it in today were sporadic plants, uh, infected plants throughout the field. I don't think it's going to be a big yield issue, but it was enough to you know, realize that we had it. We brought some in and we tested them and they were positive for the gosses wilt. I'm seeing way too much nitrogen deficiency showing up this week. Some of these fields are now yellow right up to the tassel. Going nitrogen deficient right after tasseling is usually very costly especially when you got 50 days to black layer like we do in this June corn. These fields are mostly ones that did not get side dressed and had all their nitrogen put on early. Talking with one grower who had a field showing severe nitrogen problems and it was in the roasting ear stage, he was wondering about flying in some urea on the corn. Uh, it's getting too late to bring this field back. It may be worth a try if you have irrigation and we could fertigate it, but even then, I think it's probably too late to throw money after that crop. Now, most citrus fields are looking good. Our biggest shortages are in the February applied ammonium sulfate that wasn't citrused. Most June planted bean fields right now are at R5, which means what you see is what you get. They're done growing, they're done branching, and pretty much done setting pods. If the rows aren't closed by now, they're not going to get there. Now we need to hang on to the pods and build as big a bean as possible. The disease in the beans for the most part is light, as well as the insect pressure. We're seeing some stink bugs in a few fields, so pest teams keep your eye on your seed fields. We don't want these uh, stink bugs to, to get on the pod and damage those beans and end up getting docked for it. For the most part, the Japanese beetle have moved on or been killed off, so good riddance. This week, in a field of April planted beans, 
that had to be sprayed for bean leaf beetle because they were the only beans in the neighborhood. It was then hit by the Japanese beetle twice. Had to be sprayed twice for Japanese beetle. So sprayed once for bean leaf, twice for Japanese beetle. The Japanese beetle feeding was pretty evident in the field. I measured two square feet on the ground. I counted all the dead carcasses of the Japanese beetle that the birds hadn't eaten yet. We ended up with 985,000 dead beetle per acre is what I calculated out to be. Now, I'm not sure what the fertilizer value is of a million Japanese beetle per acre, but I don't think it would offset the cost of spraying. The office crew is cranking through soil test packets as fast as we can to get us caught back up after this crazy summer testing and all the delays that we had. They're moving along at a pretty good clip, and we'll have your wrecks in time for fall planning, but a little patience here would be appreciated. This fall testing will start as soon as harvest is underway, so don't forget to get your fall testing needs in ahead of time so the office crew can get the maps prepped and ready to go for the testing crew. As I do farm visits, I'm seeing lots of sins of the spring. Many of the stand issues that we're running into are related to sidewall compaction and smearing. Many fields are dealing with pinch row issues. Most, if not all, fields that were worked with horizontal tillage have root-turning compaction layers in them. If your normal program is tillage, these, this compaction layer will be taken out this fall when you do your tillage. For you guys that are usually no-tilling and fell off the wagon this spring and tilled wet fields with horizontal tillage so you could get them planted, well, you're going to need to make plans to figure out how you're going to get rid of the compaction before you go back to no-till. This week, we found a cultivator pass in the field that has been no-tilled for 15 years, and it was still stopping roots. I know we did all we could to get this crop in, but don't let the sins of this spring have a long tail and affect the future crops. It's been brought to my attention that I am chintzy with my attaboys this year. Well, boys, I don't grade on the curve, so suck it up and try again next year. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.